Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It 1.33 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Got to tell you that Royal Pizza is pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 50 years now. For a menu and a list of their 14. Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. We'll get to this day in Oilers history in a little bit here and should have time for more of your text messages. You can keep those coming on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. That's 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors with floors strong enough for any mini sticks tournament. I know I said it before. I'm a little embarrassed to admit how recently the last time I participated in mini sticks was. It is what it is. Pleased to be joined now on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline by the head coach of the Bakersfield Condors, who had a pretty darn productive weekend. That is Jay Woodcroft. Jay, how's it going today? I'm doing good, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to chat with you. So 5-3 over Ontario on Friday night, and you follow that up with a 5-2 win versus Iowa. Stuart Skinner gets the first game. Shane Sterrett gets the next. How do you break down how the team performed this weekend? I thought very well. I've been quite pleased with um, basic, basically since the Christmas break. I think uh, our team is committed to playing the game the right way. I think we're um, engaged mentally and physically. Um, we've only lost uh, one game in regulation during that time frame, and, I, and that was uh, earlier in the week, uh, this past week, and I thought we had the chance to win. So um, this past weekend versus Ontario, I didn't think we started the game great, but we found a way to score a couple power play goals early in the game, which um, got us on the board and allowed us to get our feet wet, so to speak. We built a lead. We were able to hand it, hang on to it in a tough building. Um, those are all great qualities of a team heading in the right direction. And then uh, we came home to play a very game Iowa Wild team on the Saturday night. Um, we again started well on the power play, and uh, but didn't love our second period. We were down by one heading into the third, but found a way to score four goals in the final frame. So lots of good signs when your team's finding a way to win in different fashions, and uh, we're going to need it going forward because the games only get tighter from here. And closer together as well, I'm noticing at the schedule, and you've got to kind of work around the All-Star break, which happens on the 26th and 27th, Jay, but it's very interesting watching how dynamic that American League schedule can be. Meanwhile, you've picked up, as you mentioned, points in seven of your last eight. So are you, are you noticing any difficulties in some of the first-year pros, for example, making the adjustment to playing very far apart and then playing a lot in short order? Yeah, it's a unique 
uh, thing because it seems early in, in the season in October and uh, certainly in November you're, the games are a lot more spread out. It's tough to get into the rhythm. And then uh, as the, you start heading into more the December, January, February region, they are packed together. Those are things beyond anybody's control. They're just, uh, that's the way it is. And learning how to deal with it is part of becoming a professional hockey player. We have a saying down here, sometimes you get the schedule and sometimes the schedule gets you. It's all about how you react to whatever the schedule is. So we're doing things as a team to try and manage our energy reservoir during this tough stretch um, to make sure that we're exercising um, our energy uh, where it should be, which is in the, in the games, and we're not overdoing it in practice. Um, and so far, it's, uh, it's been going pretty good, like I said, since Christmas time. Evan Bouchard is, I believe, top five in team scoring now. He had four points for you this weekend. Just a, another thought here, Jay, on his development over, over his first pro season. Yeah, I really like where Evan's game uh, is trending. Um, he had a little hiccup uh, on a turnover that led to a goal against his past, past game, but that's why he's here is to, to figure those things out and for it to happen uh, at this level so that it doesn't happen at the highest level. I thought he responded well in that game. I can't say enough about him. I think he is, uh, he is uh, a very, very good hockey player at a young age in a tough position in a very tough American Hockey League. And for me, what's great about him is that he's being used in every situation. He's commanding big minutes, and they're not being given to him. He's earned every single second of ice time that he's gotten. He's getting great experience. And uh, as you mentioned, you mentioned his numbers, but I'm quite proud of how, how far he's developing defensively as well. A couple of slashing penalties he took in one game, and I know that that's not going to earn the the praise of a coach, but at the same time, for somebody who at points in his career has been criticized for his lack of, of perceived engagement, I suppose, probably not bad to see him out there really throwing himself into a hockey game like that, right? Not to justify it, but... Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with you. I don't think any coach wants two slashing penalties, but... Um, you know, I know, I, I understand what you're saying. I think uh, one of Bush's best qualities is his low uh, panic point, and that sometimes gets perceived as a lack of intensity. But I, I don't see that. I see someone who is engaged. What we're wanting more of from him, and I've said this in a couple previous interviews, is, is just proximity to his check on the defensive side of things and being engaged defensively, not giving people so much time and space as sometimes you can get away with at the junior hockey level. And I think we're seeing real strides in that part of his game. I think he is um, he's one of those guys that is uh, emotionally and physically attached. He's learning to do that on an everyday basis. So not just in games. We, we ask that in practice, too. And um, like I said, I, I'm proud of where his game is trending. I know he's working on a lot of things with our D coach, Dave Manson. Just little details of how to become the best defenseman he can be. 
and uh, we're seeing a lot of really good signs. Jay Woodcroft is the head coach of the Bakersfield Condors, who are fourth place in the Pacific Division in the AHL with a 16-14-4 record. How much of that, especially recently, Jay, can be attributed to Josh Curry and his bit of a breakout? Yeah, he's, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think it's throughout his career, he seemed to be taking off um, at the turn of the calendar. Uh, the turn of the new year, it seems to be where he really hits stride um, just throughout his career, just from a historical perspective. And it, it's it's holding true again this year. I think um, Josh, uh, he, he could run for mayor in the city of Bakersfield just because he's been here so long. He's such a fan favorite. And the reason he is that is because he l- plays the game with his heart on his sleeve. He's willing to do little things. Um, in both ends, he, he wants he wants to score goals, and he's prepared to bleed to score goals. He goes to tough areas. Um, he's willing to mix it up when when the time comes if if he's called upon. And uh, I think he represents our most dangerous uh, shooter up front. Um, he, you know, he does a good job of finding ways to get shots on net. And uh, last year, I know this was when his game really took off, um, and it ended up leading to an NHL recall for him and uh, getting to spend a lot of time up uh, with the Edmonton Oilers. And, um, you know, we're looking for him to challenge for that that type of uh, thing again this year. And we know if we want to get to where we want to get to as a team, we need uh, that type of production out of Josh, and uh, we know it's there. The only man standing in front of him and team scoring right now is, of course, Tyler Benson. And with a looming suspension to Zach Cassie and all, however long or short that may be, Jay, I know everybody's going to be asking the question, is Tyler Benson going to have his phone ring soon? As his coach and somebody that knows him and his current game better than anybody else, what are his NHL-ready attributes as you see it right now? His NHL-ready attributes, in my opinion, are his hockey sense, number one, his um, his speed at processing the game, his ability to make an NHL pass on his forehand or on his backhand, um, those uh, those are his innate skills. I think he doesn't get enough credit for his work ethic. Um, he doesn't get enough credit for what a great teammate he is. Um, I think there's uh, long been uh, questions of whether he could skate at the NHL level or not. For me, as his coach and getting to see him on an everyday basis, he skates um, well in the American Hockey League. And I think where he's really fast, like I said, is between the ears. That that helps him get to where he needs to get to. And um, should that call ever come for him, I know he's going to be excited about it and he'll be ready for it. Um, but he's not worried about it. He's worried about taking care of his daily process and helping the Bakersfield Condors be the best team they can be, and it's, you know he's done a great job with that. Finally, Jay, I'm sure you've been keeping track at least a little bit on what Kyler Yamamoto has meant to the Oilers since his recall. Did you see that his ability to sort of think and, and, and the vision on the ice is what really impressed me in that game against Calgary in particular? But you know the work ethic was going to be here, but the execution and performing was some of the top talent in the league and a guy like Leon Dreisaitl. Are you even a little taken back by how well it's gone in this first stretch? Well, uh, I would say, Brendan, it's his third stretch, if you think of it, really, right? Like, right. He had an experience uh, right after his draft year 
Last year he had some experience at that level. And this year he started the season in Bakersfield. He put yeoman's-like work in through the first half of the season here. I think um, he worked at little parts of his game so that when the time came and he did earn his next recall, that he'd be ready for it and he wanted to impress. So, you know, I think it's, number one, a credit to him personally because he put in a lot of work in. A lot of what people are seeing now is the byproduct of the work that he put in going back to his, um, his summertime and then through training camp and then through uh, the first part of our season in Bakersfield. I think it's a credit to him there. I think it's a credit to the organization um, for trust in the process with him and, and um, letting him uh, work his way through things at this level so that he'd be ready for, for his next recall, and he's shown great. Um, uh, you know, everybody down here is super excited for him because we, we realize the work that he put in. And for him to have that success with those type of line mates, um, you know, I think it's it's very healthy for the organization when you have that type of push from underneath. So, like I said, we're very excited for him. All right, Jay, you've got uh, a rematch with Iowa next. That's right? Yeah, we play Iowa tomorrow. It's uh, They're one of the premier teams in the American Hockey League. We were able to find a win last game, but we know it's going to get dialed up and that we have to get to another level in order to, to get the result we want tomorrow night. But we're, we had a good practice today, and we'll be ready for them. All right, Jay, always appreciate the time. We'll check in next week, okay? Okay, Brandon, have a good day. Thanks very much. That's head coach of the Bakersfield Condors, Jay Woodcroft. Yeah, well, you heard it right there. And to me, that's the most important part of a hockey player, and, and, and whether they're going to be able to stick sooner in their career is how are they compro- or comprised rather between the ears. You've got to be able to handle the pressure. You've got to be able to process the game quickly. And you heard it from the coach himself that Tyler Benson is maybe ahead of the curve a little bit in that aspect. So if that ends up being the result of what I can only assume will be a, a brief, if any, sort of Cassian suspension, we might get a good look at a part of the... Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast wherever you get your podcasts. future. We'll get some more of your texts when we come back on Oilers Now, also this day in Oilers history. It's Brendan Escott with you today. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. 
got to tell you that you can follow Oilers now on a great road trip to the great city of Chicago to see the Oilers play the Blackhawks. This package includes a great lower bowl game ticket, a welcome reception with Bob and special guests, plus tours of Wrigley and Soldier Field. For the Oilers now, Chicago road trip, call New West Travel. That's 780-432-7446 or go online at newwesttravel.com. So... Let's bring this all back around for a moment, shall we? Oilers go 3-1-1 one, one on a road trip that was definitely a difficult one. They beat Boston. They could have beaten Buffalo outright, end up in uh, taking an extra point loss there. Uh, where else did they go? Montreal and Toronto. So this, what could have been a season-defining, a season-crippling road trip, paid off pretty well. They are right in the thick of it, as most teams are in this Pacific Division, which shakes down like this. Calgary at the top with 55 points. Arizona right behind them with 55 of their own. Then Vancouver and Vegas at 54, and the Oilers at 53. Yeah, it's a bit of a logjam right now. So these are where the divisional games start to really become important. You got to remember that there's still a hockey game with two points at the on the line on January 29th when Edmonton and Calgary meet again. Because on April 15th, you're going to be looking back at that game saying, boy, I wish the focus had been a little bit different if it devolves into a circus. If the Oilers are able to go out there and take care of business then we're having a different conversation. But don't let Ch- Kachuk win this by play, playing into that. And again, I'm sorry to tell you, Oilers fans, and they're 2-0 and on the season against Edmonton. So this is what it's become about. But at the end of the day, they're all competing for two points. So don't be too quick to forget that. We've had Dave Campbell behind the glass all afternoon. And, you know, you've been listening to the different opinions. You heard John Shannon pretty steadfast that he doesn't even want to consider a parallel to it evolving or or maybe progressing into a McSorley on Brashear incident. But at the genesis of that, what happened, Dave? He wouldn't fight him. Yeah. Brashear wouldn't fight. So to suggest that this is where this is going, that's not what I'm trying to do. However... We're setting a very dangerous potential precedent here, depending on how the league rules. Yeah, I, I don't think we're heading down the the uh, the path of those similar incidents, but I, I do understand the spirit of of the comment is, and I, I agree with Al May is that at some point it's going to come back to bite Matthew Kachuk because he knows that. Uh, there are probably people around the National Hockey League and there's people in his own locker room that say, look, you're running around doing these things. Um, eventually, it's going to come back to bite you. So, you know, it's it's the, the code is an interesting thing because what is the code? Is the code even, does it exist anymore? I still think it does to a certain degree. Right. But I think the point is, is you take, you take three runs at a guy, and the second one I agree wasn't as bad as the first, the the, the first or the third. Uh, there's a history with this fellow who goes and you know, and hey, I'll give him credit. No one likes him unless he's on your team, right. and then you love him. And Zach Cassian the same way. When Zach Cassian elbowed Sam Gagne in preseason and broke his jaw, and then I think was about a year and a half later they played in a game, and the Canucks were playing the Oilers in Vancouver, and Cassian was chirping the bench, after, you know, near uh, during a win and going, "Hey, how's the jaw there, Sam?" Yeah. I went crazy, and so did Oilers fans. Right? right? You know, the agitator is still. They're still doing their job, and Matthew Kachuk is an agitator. But that doesn't mean at some point you go, look, you can't keep running around 
and and having questionable hits and not being accountable for it. So That's right. should Zach Cassian have done what he did? I understand the frustration kind of hurt his hockey club at the end of the day, but it's too bad it has to come down to that. You know, I come from a day and age where you policed it on the ice. Now you can't do that anymore. And and I don't understand why one player gets looked at, but the other one doesn't. And I think Matthew Kachuk should get looked at as well, but he's not. So I don't get it. So it's it's frustrating from from where I sit as well. I, I think where where I stand is this. Because Matthew Kachuk is such a points getter as well, mm-hmm. typically the league tends to to have a softer side for that kind of production. Not sure. only that, but he I don't think he's been suspended yet in his career. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. His list of people that he's fought does not indicate to me that he believes that he's a tough guy. It goes. I'll read it off for you. We may as well. Joseph Cramarosa out of Anaheim. Alex Wenberg, a scorer from Columbus. Matt Dumba, you heard that incident referenced earlier in the show. Brooks Orpik, Ryan Kessler, Jake Dotchin, who's not even in the league right now, and Braden McNabb. So it's not like he's avoiding Cassian specifically. This guy never really mans up to the level of being to, to answer to the kind of play that he exhibits. Don't you think that Drew Doughty would love to take a piece out of this guy too? Oh, I'm sure. Of course. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. And they've they've had a history as well. So, so he's made a lot of people upset right. in the league. But there's you know, part part of it is he's doing his job and the other part of it is well, he's getting away with with uh, with a lot here. Let's just say the league has been very lenient towards Matthew Kachuk and not so lenient with others. Not that I want to see a guy like Leon Dreisaitl run around, but that is a horse out on the ice. And if you've got a star player who's protected by virtue of the fact that he's a star player and he's out there taking liberties, well, Leon Dreisaitl's probably not going to drop the gloves with a guy like Zach Cassian, yeah. right, if you want to bring this back around. But does he then have free reign to to run and charge anybody that he wants if he, if he so chooses? Yeah. You know? And that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good point you make because – we compare Tom Wilson to Matthew Kachuk. Tom Wilson is a good player, but he is not a point producer. You know, he's someone that has played with Ovechkin. He has played with with top players, but he doesn't consistently produce points. You know, Zach Cassian, I would say, is in that realm as well, even though he's having a good year with 13 points. Matthew Kachuk is an NHL all-star. He's not a replacement. He's... Well, a legit all-star. He was named an all-star. Perennially as well. He's a great yeah, player. He's a tremendous player. But that shouldn't put the uh, you know the, the veil of uh, protection around him as well. But it does seem like that's, that's what's happening. We'll give the final word here on the text line to former D-man Mark. He says, the league has a chance to correct another egregious injustice. The league needs to bring Kachuk in to discuss his play and let him know that it can't happen anymore. The hit was dirty, but delivered totally legally. I have no issue with the hit. I have issue with his not answering the bell and living with the consequences of delivering that type of hit. Al, uh, Al is right. You... Oh, don't jump on me now. Al is right. You are right, and I know that I'm right. The league thinks they are smarter than everybody else. They are not. They won't do the right thing yet again. At what point does... What, what is it going to take for Matthew Kachuk to get called in for a conversation about his play? Brad Marchand crossed the line with the slew foots. Brad Marchand targeted the head. Brad Marchand also played 
10 years in this league before Kachuk did, or, you know, give or take. So a different era even at that point. we got to get to this day in Oilers history. That is brought to you by New West Travel. You can join Oilers now on a great road trip to see the Oilers play the Hawks in Chicago. Call New West Travel or go online at newwesttravel.com. On this day back in 1991, Mark Messier gets his 1,000th career point, assisting on Glenn Anderson's 400th career goal in a 5-3 win for the Oilers over the Philadelphia Flyers. You know, Mark Messier would have been one of the first jumping in to see an altercation like that. Onward for the Oilers tomorrow. We'll be back here. Bob won't be in studio. He'll be at the rink previewing Oilers and Predators. Uh, keep it locked to 6.30, Chad. We will have your update on any suspension that comes down the pipe for Zach Cassian, which we know should be coming up fairly quickly here, if not just as we conclude this show. Appreciate all of your input. I saw most of it. I tried to read what I could. It's a busy show when we get a topic like this one to discuss, but feel free uh, as well to tweet us after hours. That's at Oilers now. Tonight on 6.30, Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, 6 to 8. What's on tap? Well, you know we're talking Zach Cassian and Matthew Kachuk. Oh, yeah. We'll have a couple of uh, players that used to play the game that uh, one, uh, well, both of them had a, uh, you know, kind of a razor-thin type edge, uh, sandpaper-type edge. One is uh, Matthew Barnaby, okay. and the other is P.J. Stock. So we, and they're kind of on opposite sides of the Zach Cassian thing. Uh, one says the suspension is warranted. The other says um, it's not. So I will uh, I will save it until uh, we uh, hit the airways tonight at 6.05. We'll have those two individuals. We'll also have to Kansas City and uh, talk with uh, Alex Gold about a wild AFC divisional game between, unfortunately, involved your Houston Texans, yep. not in a good way, no, it and not. the Kansas City Chiefs. It was a good way for the, in a good way for the Kansas City that Chiefs. That was a hard stopper. That's Inside yeah. Sports from 6 to 8. Uh, Sportsnet's Mark Spector coming up tomorrow as well for Horse Racing Alberta, the 7,000 men and women who work in Alberta's horse racing industry. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by 6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Brendan Escott saying once again, thanks for your contributions, and so long from the 6.30 Chad Studios. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.